If you have your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. Let me just say this while we're turning. This is more in your own private time, and uh, maybe we'll pray into it here in a second. But li- listen, if you've been watching the news at all, man, this is a time where we, the nation really needs our prayers. So in fact, we're going to pray something in a minute. Uh, but here's what we're going to pray. is simply that the, the lies of the enemy will be exposed. Because I think if anything right now, man, the lesson that's happening is uh, your sin will find you out. Yes, and, and it's not that we look at that as some, uh, ha-ha, get him, get him Jesus. But, but it's a simple thing that when God wants to bring purity to a nation, right, he wants to bring holiness to a nation, yes? So in a second, we'll, pr- we'll pray into that, all right? If you all found Exodus chapter 6? Yes. Amen. If you don't have your Bible, please bring it. Please, please, please. And if you don't take notes, please take notes as well. Yes? yes? All right. Awesome. Let's pray one more time. Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you that you are a God that still rules and reigns. You still sit on the throne. And Father, we just pray for our nation today. Uh, Lord, we're just asking God that all the, all the upheaval that's happening at the moment, Father, we thank you that, God, that, that you will turn it for good in Jesus' name. Father, we just believe today, God, that this will be a nation of holiness and a nation of purity. And Father, we thank you that, uh, you even said in your word that the sin will find you out. And Father, we just pray, God, that as you begin to purge, uh, our nation, but God, that, that it wouldn't be some man that gets on the top, but it'd be Jesus that's on the top. And uh, Lord, that you would rule and that you would reign. And God, we'd have leadership that would hear you and follow you and listen to your wisdom and listen to your heart and obey what you tell them. And so, Lord, we just believe, God, that this is a nation that you've ordained. And Lord, we just believe, God, that you haven't forgotten us, you haven't forsaken us. Uh, but God, there's still believers here that desire to see your will being done. And uh, so, Lord, we humble ourselves today, God, and we just say, heal our land in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, Father, today, even as we shift, God, to your word, Lord, I just thank you for uh, your word becoming life, God, to every person in this place today. Father, I pray for just an atmosphere of heaven here. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for just the ability to break, God, anything that would hold us down. Father, thank you for your peace in this place and just your glory coming in here today, God, and speaking to us. Lord, you said that he who has ears, let him hear. And so, Lord, we say that we got ears, spiritual ears, Lord, and we're listening. And we believe that we can hear your voice. In Jesus' name, we pray pray. Amen. 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 Well, listen, you know, over the past few weeks, we have been in a series called Promises. And today's part four of the five parts. And uh, simply uh, the purpose, the plan kind of for this series is that we could just discuss and communicate basically our vision, our forward movement as a church. Now, that should be something that excites us because that's something that involves all of us. Yes. You know, I just got this firm belief that the vision, if it's not, you know, basically if it doesn't involve people and doesn't avoid the, the forward movement of people, it's probably not from God. And so everything that we're talking about today is for you. You got to catch that. It is for you. Okay. It's not, it's not about, you know, some structure, even though it involves structure and even though it involves strategy, but it's really about moving you closer to God. Plain and simple, yes? And that should excite every one of us, right? In other words, there, there should be nothing inside of us that says, man, five years from now, I want to be in the same spot that I'm in right now. That would be awful, yes? So, so all this is to help you guys to move forward and, uh, and to you know, get closer to God and become who God wants you to be. So uh, let me maybe say this. If you haven't been here the past few weeks, I would encourage you to go check out the podcast simply so you can have the complete picture of what we're talking about. We're kind of talking about this in pieces, and if you don't get the whole thing, you're going to miss something. So e- even if nothing else, man, go listen to last week, please. 
Okay, I believe last week will bless you. Last week will help you, and I believe it will change your life. And so go check it out, please, if you can. So anyways, if you haven't, haven't been here, let me just say this, kind of give you the basics. As a church, we've decided to, once again, to build our vision uh, or our strategy around four core promises that God has made to every one of us. And so that's including you, right? I, I, was, I was actually at breakfast the other day. No, no, I was in a meeting the other day with a guy, and he actually said this. I believe that God does this, X, Y, Z, but I'm not so sure if he'll do it for me. Right? And, and I don't know about you, but I've had those thoughts before too. Okay? So today, when you hear these promises, don't think, man, that's great for somebody, you know, across the other side of the room. You gotta own it for yourself. Yes, because God's talking to you. God's not a God of partiality. What He's done for one, He'll do for another. Amen? Amen. So let's look at where these promises are found. In Exodus 6, if you found it, look at verse 6 and 7. Here we go. It says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. God said, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He's talking, obviously, to the, to the Israelites when they were still in, in bondage and slavery in Egypt. Okay? And he said, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And verse 7 says, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. It says, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So listen, if you're like me and you hear a verse like that and you go, okay, I'm not sure, so sure if I can remember all that. Let me give you a one word description that really just shows the four promises today. Okay, here's what God is promising you. Okay, he's promising you salvation. He is promising you freedom. He is promising you restoration, and he is promising you fulfillment. Now, Pastor, how did those things look in my life? How did they play out? What does that look like? If you can keep that list there. We, we all, most of us in this room understand salvation, that there was a spot in our lives where we were so far from God, we didn't know him from Adam, right? The old, the old country saying says, they don't know him from Adam, right? God was so far away from us, and we were so far away from God. But there came a point that, guess what, that God reached down to where we were at, Right, And he began to reveal who he was to our hearts. And when he came, he didn't say, look, you're going to have to you know, fill in this blank and this blank and this blank and this blank before I can somehow accept you. He said, all you got to do is what? Is believe. And the moment we believed, he spiritually relocated us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into kingdom of light. And like we said last week, just because we got spiritually relocated didn't mean that we got relocated without our baggage. Right? We all brought baggage to us, and that's why we need the second problem. Uh, second problem. Second promise. It's not a problem. It's a promise. Is, 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 we need freedom, right? We need freedom, right? And so the freedom is this. That's where God says, you know what? I got to heal you from your yesterdays. In other words, I got to heal your hurts. I got to heal your pains. And, and guess what? Not only is he heal us, but he also says, man, I got to give you victory over sin. Yes, that's so good. Victory over sin. And then the other thing that he adds in that area is this, is that he begins to teach us how to, uh, how to basically walk in our authority as believers because it's not good enough just to get free. God wants to, wants us to stay free. Yes? So not only that, then guess what? We move to the, the third one here, and that's restoration. It's really simple. That's where God helps us to discover his purpose for our lives. So let me maybe say it this way. This is where he gives us something bigger than our issues. And I gotta say, that's probably one of the greatest problems for Christians. They get so caught up in their issues that they never see that there's greater days ahead. Like what we were singing a while ago, yes? And so it's when we start operating in what God, uh, you know, designed us for and how He created us. Guess what? We get to enjoy the fourth promise, which is fulfillment. Now, if, let me maybe say this for you guys. In the fourth promise there, God is not promising us a problem-free life. I don't, I don't care how long you live and I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're a monk and you go to a monastery. Guess what? You are going to have a problem. 
Right? It's impossible. Jesus said they are going to come, but he said what? He said, do not basically fear, not tremble, for I have overcome them. Okay? So it's that understanding that, guess what? That when I'm operating and I'm walking with God and I'm obedient, that all hell could be breaking loose. But guess what? There's still joy in my heart and there's still peace in my heart. Why? Because I know God's in control. Are you all with me today? All right. So... Last week, or last two weeks, we talked about salvation. We talked about when God pulled us out of Egypt. And then we talked last week about freedom, where basically God takes Egypt out of us. Right? And today we're going to turn our attention to the third promise, which is restoration. So let's look back once again to Exodus 6, 6. Let's look at what God said. He said this. He said, I will redeem you. Can somebody say redeem you? Redeem. Awesome. He said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with mighty acts of judgment. I love this verse. Out of all the verses in this, this is probably my favorite one of them. Truthfully, this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. And I've talked about uh, with you guys so much, right? I mean, I have talked and talked and talked about this, so don't check out on me. But I'm hoping today that we get a little bit more traction than what we've already got already, okay? So he said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with mighty acts of judgment. So I realize that the word redeem isn't a typical word that we use. So I want to begin today by simply defining that. I'm going to give you two different definitions so we can kind of create a picture of what that means for us. Okay, what God wants to do in our lives. Redeem means this. Number one, it means this. It means to buy back or repurchase. To buy back or repurchase. You see, in the Hebrew language, the word redeem refers to a custom of buying back something. Don't miss this. Of buying back something that a person lost. Buying back something that a person lost. So understand, this is something that isn't the first time purchased. It is something that was in their possession and it was gone and now we got to get it back. Are y'all following me? This is really important, okay? So in biblical language, what this means to us is simply this, that you and I, we were all created in the image of God. Is that not true? And the Bible says that that God is the father of all spirits or the source of all spirits. So at one time, guess what? We all belong to God, right? But the Bible goes on to say in Isaiah, it says that what? That we all strayed like sheep. We've all gone our own way. And guess what? When we all went our way, guess what happened to us? We became lost, Are you following me today? And so when we became lost, guess what? We came into possession of someone else than the one who originally created us. The Bible says you belong to one or the other. You either belong to God or you belong to who? Satan. He is real, right? He is real. It's not a figment of imagination. The devil is real. So you either belong to one of those fathers, the father of truth or the father of lies. Now, here's what God did. God said, you know what? I love those guys so much. We know that he sent his son to this earth to do what? To seek and save that which was lost. Y'all see in the picture. So when Jesus died for us, guess what? He was redeeming us or he bought us back or he repurchased us for the Father. He paid our debt. He redeemed us by his blood. He paid our ransom. Is that not true? I love the verse. I quote it all the time. Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Are y'all seeing this? So let me kind of maybe uh, give you a thing. I just thought about this. I couldn't really figure out how to, how to make it preach, and so I'll just throw it out there. All across our state, we have redemption centers. <laughs> See, y'all didn't know that every time y'all go to uh, throw your cans and your bottles on the table that you were going to a place that preaches the gospel, and they didn't even know it. <laughs> so true, right? Why? Because what? I, I go to Hannaford's, right, and I pay my money, and I, I literally saw it the other day. I bought, I bought a, a bottle of water. Actually, I was at Walmart, and, and I bought a bottle of water for me and Michaela, and I saw that five cents. So, right? So now there's a debt. That fellow owes me money. 
Right? So when I go to that redemption center, what I'm getting back what is mine. Make sense? It's the gospel. Jesus came to get back what was his. Yes? So go in there and let them know they're preaching the gospel. All right, here we go. Second definition. Did you know? Anyways, but all right. Number two, it means to recover and restore. I love this one. To recover and restore. Okay? So I'm going to pick on somebody today, and I'm going to pick on uh, Mr. Mitchell here. Here we go. I'm picking on you. All right? So this man, he goes to the junkyard. All right? And he spots a, a, an old uh, Mustang. Right? An old Mustang. He's like, yeah, that thing's awesome, right? And uh, in fact, if you can, show, show me that picture. Let's, let's show him what he spotted. Man, that's a beauty, isn't it? Watch this. So, so he sits back and he looks at that thing. And, uh, you know, with careful consideration, he decides to pay X amount of money, okay? I, I don't even know how much. Lindley will tell us afterwards, okay? But uh, how much you should pay for it. But listen, uh, uh, he, he goes to the owner and he says, hey, man, look, here's how much I'm going to pay for this. The owner thinks about it. He says, man, I'll take that amount of money. And so he buys the thing and, and he has it hauled to his house. It, as soon as it gets dropped off in the front yard, Karen comes outside and she looks at it with disgust. Right. And, and our first thought is this is, man, what a waste of money. Can I get an amen from the ladies? <laughs> you could have bought me. Whatever. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Listen, because when she looks at that car, all she can see is, man, uh, broken windows, the rusted out frame, the flat tire. I don't even know if it's got one, but the missing hubcap. Look at the back window. I knew y'all were going to get all literal on me. All right. Anyways, watch this. I wrote this, and then I asked Jen to find a picture. I got to work with what I got with. All right, here we go. All right, so work with me. All right, so anyway, so, so all she sees is the missing hubcap and the faded, torn upholstery, uh, the stained up carpet, and, 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 and we can't forget about this. I don't know. I, they had this when I was a kid, that, that lovely headliner that's dropping down over a foot, right? You like this in the car, right? Anyways, the moon roof that's inverted. Anyway, so... Uh, Anyways, so that's all she sees. But my man over there, man, he looks at the car and he sees something completely different. Man, he, he sees some potential. He sees what it can be. He sees with the original design that it was made to be. Are y'all following me today? So, so he, he slowly, oh, Roger over there, he slowly but surely begins to research the correct way to restore this Mustang. And uh, once he's got a game plan, man, he begins to strip it. Uh, Carl, be nice to me. I'm trying my best here with the information he gave me. I know nothing about cars. Here we go. Basically, he begins to strip it and dissemble the vehicle down to nothing but the frame. And then he begins to uh, to sandblast it. He gets the doors, and and uh, we're gonna act like there's a hood on it. And uh, anyway, so in the trunk and basically etc. But then he then he begins to put the primer on. He begins to put the paint on the clear coats. And then he begins to try to figure out what he can repair and the pieces that he can't repair. You know, he begins to order. And so you know, fast forward here he uh you know whatever he puts uh you know new tires and new rims on it he puts new windows in it because they're broken you just can't see it and um <laughs> anyway so he begins putting new shifter new steering wheel new dashboard new you know upholstery new carpet all these things right and and what he does is is you know slowly but surely he begins to fix it piece by piece until it looks exactly like the original creation of what's supposed to look like he restores it Back to its original design. Can I show you the next picture? It's what Roger did. Boom. Good job, Raj. Good job. Good job, Roger. Looks nice. Nice. Paid Lindley to do it. Nice. Smart man. Smart man. That's awesome. So, so watch this. So let, let me show you this. Pretty cool, huh? So, so show them the side by side. Yeah. Pretty wow, right? 
So, so if you can get the picture here, this is what God is promising all of us. Okay? Watch this. You can leave it up there. First, he recovers us. He pays the price to that junkyard man, right? Purchases us back. Then he delivers us out of the junkyard, which is the kingdom of darkness. He relocates us to his front yard, which is kingdom of lights, his family, right? And then his bride, other Christians, guess what? They may come out and look at us. Say, I don't see much there. I don't see what all the big deal is. You, you know, I, I'm here to, right? People do that, right? Man, what's the big deal about that person, right? I, man, listen, I, I, uh, my, my first pastor I ever had, he gave me a pastor recommendation in it. He said, you know what? There's, there, he doesn't have any leadership. People don't see it, <laughs> right? I didn't see it, okay? I didn't think I'd be doing this one day, but that's what he said. Man, that fella don't have much leadership. He ain't going to go nowhere. All right, anyways, <laughs> it's what it is. Appreciate you, man. So anyways, but, but, but listen, but, but thank God he comes and, you know, he's standing there in the yard and he says, oh, you don't see what I see. Right. I know they're broken, hot mess right now. But guess what? I see their potential. I can see pastor torn up and staying life because I see the life I planned for them from the beginning. I can see the original design. I can see the original value. And so he does this. He begins to make a commitment to slowly but surely to restore us back to the original design that he had in mind when he designed us. Are you guys getting the picture here? So. With those two definitions in mind, when we look at Exodus 6, 6, in the context, what was God trying to tell these people who had been in slavery for 400 years? He was trying to say this to them, okay? I believe that when God showed up on the doorstep and he said, I will redeem you, he was saying, listen, I'm not just interested in getting you out of bondage. And I'm not just interested in just freeing you. But, man, you got to see, I got something bigger in store for you. I got something better. What, what was that bigger? What did God have in mind? It was this. It was a plan for the future. It's so simple. He had a plan for their future. Hallelujah, right? So you see, the point that I believe God was trying to make to them, he's trying to make to us today is simply this, is he wants us to know, and I've said this before, that what he has saved us to is greater than what he has saved us from. Please, 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 for the love of God, get that in you. What he has saved you to is greater than what he has saved you from. The reason I'm saying that is because we all need to quit looking in the rearview mirror, right? At our past and realize we were made for something more than Pharaoh's mud pits, right? That God has something greater for us in mind. And it's what it's this. It's a divine purpose. It's a divine purpose. Like I said, I know I've talked to you guys about this. So I'm blue in the face, but there's a reason. And here's the reason. As I've said to you uh, several times over the past weeks, a study shows that, once again, that the how much? 87%. That's, that, that's some 87% of Christians, of believers, born-again believers. They don't realize, they haven't discovered, they don't know, they have no clue of what their God-given divine purpose is. And can, I, can I maybe say this really quick? To understand your divine purpose is more than what you just do for a living. That, that really doesn't have much to do with it. It kind of does. But, but, but that's not all of it. Are, are y'all following me? Yes? O- only thing that gives you, only thing that job gives you is it gives you the audience to do the purpose of God for your life. That's all it opens up. Yeah? It's a good way to eat, too, because I like to eat. It's good to make money. Y'all act like y'all don't like to eat. Hey, look, I got I to gotta invite somebody's house earlier, and they promised me they were going to cook me fried chicken. I'm pumped. Pumped. Anyways, all right. Y'all understand. Maybe if I said lobster or something, y'all would be excited. <laughs> Fried chicken's better than lobster, y'all. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right, anyways. Listen, why 
does only 13% of Christians realize, man, here's my divine purpose. Why is there 87 out there, 87 people out there wondering? I believe it's because of this. It's because they can't get past the second promise. They're, they're so called up and looking at all their issues and problems and, and their hot mess stuff, right? All their emotions and all that, their flesh, that they can't ever, that's all they see. So they can't ever see what God has for them that's greater. Isn't that so true? Yes? It's, it's like, let me say it this way. Hear me. They have more faith in their problems than they do God. So true. Here's why I say that. Because, because your faith says that to that problem, man, I'll always be this way. That'll always be there. That tells me that your faith is greater for that thing than understand that God's really a deliverer and the really one to go free you and get you out of it. Don't get quiet on me now. That's truth. That's so true. So I want you to think about it this way, okay? We're talking about the 87% here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that all of us are a part of the body of Christ. If you're born again, you're part of the body of Christ, okay? And, and if you're part of the body, then you have a different and important function, right? We, we all got a part, right? In other words, my big toes got a part. Are, are y'all following me, okay? It doesn't matter what part you are, you, you're important. So can you imagine with that concept here, if we can kind of pull it over here, that if, that if 87% of your body decided to quit functioning today after church... Yeah, y'all follow me. If 87% of your body, listen, I'm no doctor, okay? But, but I have a hard time believing that you would live beyond, uh, you know, that long, right? That you wouldn't last that much longer. Is that true? Yeah. Okay, so if 87% of you quit functioning. So let's take that, right? It, it, to think that, once again, that 87% of our body doesn't know what it is, and it doesn't know how it's supposed to function if it just stopped, right? So if that's a true reflection of the body of Christ, how are we looking? So, so I, I say this not to, not to beat anybody up, but to say this, that I think it's a priority to God. Because if 87% of my body quit functioning, oh, it'd be sirens going, well, we got to go. We, there, there, it's important here. But yet it's almost like we walk around in a, in a uh, yeah, just totally unaware that, that this is a priority. With me? Because why? Because that, that my problem is a greater priority. No, it's not. Your greater priority is that you don't know your purpose because if you're walking in your purpose, you'd probably know how to handle that thing. Are y'all following me? So I think it's a priority to God, and I think you got to get this in your heart here, guys. He wants to reveal this to you. Once again, this is an offer and a promise He's given you. He's not hiding it from you, right? Everybody listen. We make it difficult, not God. Y'all hear me? All right, so let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the two ways that God said he would redeem us. And uh, maybe if I can give it a different wording, let's talk about the two ways that God wants to position us to receive our divine purpose. Number one, he said this. He said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Did he not say that? He said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. So get this. This is where God extends his arm towards us and does what the Bible says in Psalms 1835. I love this verse. The first time I heard it, I didn't like it at all. Okay, I remember the first time I ever heard it, somebody sang it in a song, and I didn't know if I agreed with it because it wasn't in the Bible. It made me feel awkward because I had such a low self-esteem of myself that I just couldn't wrap my head around that, man, God does this. That God does what? That he stoops down and he makes me great. 
That's Bible. I didn't make it up. <laughs> that he stoops down and makes us great. You know, something that I've said for, you know, two years now, this whole, this whole mindset that we got to come before the Father and grovel is not biblical. That we come to him like we're just dirt and trash and all that. Man, he redeemed you. Right? Right? If you, if you don't hear nothing else today, hear this. The Bible says that when he sees us, that he doesn't see us. He really sees Jesus. Thank God for that. He sees Jesus. So he's not like, why are you here again? See, watch this. Here's what the devil, here's what the devil does to you guys. Some of you guys today were in worship. And then the devil brought up in your head something you did really stupid this week. You don't deserve to worship. Yeah, you're right. Because, <laughs> am I talking to you all? And, and the reason is, guess what? Because if the devil can get you to stop worshiping, he'll stop your freedom. Right? So God stoops down and he makes us great. Now, why does God stoop down to where we are? Thank God for the humility of God. Huh. Right? He didn't have to, but he does. Get this. Because like the Israelites, man, it is impossible, impossible, impossible to spend all those years in bondage and still have our self-worth intact. It's impossible to have someone degrade you and to dog you and whip you and beat you, do all those things. Man, it's impossible to spend 400 years in, in slavery and to come out and think, man, I'm awesome. Right? And, and so we come into the kingdom, and we don't feel that awesome. Right? Because when we look at the mirror, we see what we see. We see, we see all, the, all, all the bumps and the bruises, right? So, so, you know, it's this. It's really the truth is in this area is that most of us are convinced that we're nothing special, much less great. That's why when we hear a verse like that, we, we, we don't want to agree with it because it's so contrary to what we think about ourselves. But it's kind of like this. We've resigned ourselves to the fact that we're just going to be ordinary at best. Am I talking to you all? That in our hearts, man, that we literally in our hearts, I haven't met many Christians that in their hearts. In fact, I say, man, what do you want to do? What do you, want, what do you see God doing in your life? Hardly any of them come and say, man, I want to do this great and significant thing for God. They're just like, well, if I can just kind of make it through. I just believe God one day will let me go to heaven. That, that's not the mentality God has for us, right? So watch this. It, it's not how God sees us. It, it's really simple that God, God sees greatness in us when we don't see it in ourselves. And, and that's so true. And the reason is, everybody listen to this. How can he do that? It's because he's the one that put it there. To understand that when he created us in his image, he put greatness in us. Is he great? Does he live inside of you? Listen, God is so confident that there's greatness in you that he made this really bold statement. He said that my people, and that's you, shall do great exploits. He didn't say this about that one and not about... No, he said about all of us. All of us. We shall do great exploits. That shall means basically guaranteed bank on it. It's going to happen. It's going to be done. All right, so let's take this step further how he sees us. I love this verse. Psalms 8, 4 through 6 says this. This is how God sees. It says, uh, what is mankind? Or your version say, may say, what is man? That you are mindful of them or him. It says, human beings that you care for them. And then it says, verse 5, it says, you have made them a little lower than the angels. Watch this. And crowned them with glory and honor. It says, you made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. Man, grab a hold of that, gang. 
Do you understand that when God sees you, he sees his kids, that he is crowned with glory and honor. So I got a challenge for you. Let's live like it. Let's live like we've been crowned with glory and honor. Here's what happens. We get around other people, right, that don't know God, and we go, well, let me come down to your level. Instead of rising up and saying, no, 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 I'm a person that's crowned with glory and honor, not in a prideful way, not in an arrogant way, but, man, I, I have a home. I'm not an orphan, right? We sang it earlier. Man, man I, have a, I have a home with the king. Man, I'm the king's son. I'm the king's daughter. Let me carry myself like that, right? That's confidence, yes? So it really all this is about, here's what it really all boils down to. It all boils down to this, our identity. Our identity. Our, I mean, I've said it for two years, our identity, that God wants to restore our identity. Johnny, do me a favor. Throw those, the side-by-side picture up again, the two cars. He wants to restore our identity. We see ourselves like the left side. Jesus sees us like the right side. Right? I, you know, I'm going to say this. This is a really weird thought. Okay, you can leave it there. It's a really weird thought. My thought left me. <laughs> All right, not going to say it. Here we go. I, mean, I know the context, but I don't know how I'm going to say it. All right, here we go. Um, anyways, we're moving on. All right, here we go. All right, extra thought. Senior moment right there. Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> All right, listen, so God wants to position you for purpose. All right, let me give you an extra thought here. We'll move on because we've got to cover some ground. In the biblical language where God said basically with an outstretched arm, the arm of God represents what? His strength and his power. So God is saying basically this, I'm going to redeem you. Guess what? You're going to experience my power. And I, and I love this verse here in 2 Corinthians twelve eight. It says this, it says, for his power is made perfect in my weakness. So, so here's God and a promise to all of us that he wants to extend his arm to us so that he can lift us above our weaknesses with his power. That literally he wants to help us to, uh, you know, basically be restored, you know, with life, restore our dignity, restore our value, restore our worth, restore our identity, all that. That's really good. Yes? Yes? It's really good. All right, let's move on. All right, so the other way God promises to redeem us or to position us for purpose, he said this. He said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I love that, mighty acts of judgment. So who is God wanting to judge with these mighty acts of judgment? Is it us? So many of us live like it, right? But, but it's not us. Back in the context of the story that's in Exodus chapter 6, who did he judge? He judged the Egyptians. He judged the, the Israelites' enemy. So who's he trying to judge? He's trying to judge the enemy of our souls, gang. Not us. Amen? Jesus took the judgment. Thank God for that, right? So anyways, but it's this. He's trying to destroy the plan that the enemy has for our lives. That's what he's trying to do. So you see, if, if you're here today and you believe there's a real devil or not, I'm here to, there's a devil. There's a devil. If I can show you the things I've seen, there's a devil, okay? You, you would believe wholeheartedly, all right? But basically this, that if we realize or not, the enemy is always trying to get us out of position. He's always trying to get us to take a detour. He's always trying to get us distracted from God's purpose in our life. He wants us to take a different path. Okay, so, so this is why God says, you know, I'm not going to redeem you and do, restore you and all these things. And I'm going to come and I'm going to show you your real identity. But man, now I've got to deal with the enemy that's trying to do everything contrary to what I'm trying to do in your life. And so what happens is, let me kind of give you a verse here. Look what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. 1 
Paul said this. He said, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again and again and again. But Satan, what? Prevented us. The word, the Greek word prevent there actually means this, that the enemy came and cut a ditch across the road. It literally means this, that he hinders one's progress by putting something in the way. You, you see, in biblical times, what happened is, is robbers would literally do this. They would literally cut a ditch across the road and force travelers to stop so they could get them. If you've been in the military, they get them in the kill zone, right? So they could come and they could steal, kill, and destroy and set an ambush for them. And that's what the enemy wants to do. We're trudging along, then we come to a ditch, and we don't know how to respond. And guess what? He comes and steals, kills, and destroys in our life. Right? That's why, listen to me, that's why so many of you guys go, boop, 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 man, I'm doing really good with God, boop, 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 boom, and then your whole world falls apart, and because your roots aren't deep enough in God, you fall apart, and then you feel like you got to start over, you do, I don't even know if I say, don't even know if God loves me, don't even know, don't act like y'all ain't ever been there. Listen, the point I believe God wants us to see is simply this, is that the devil will do anything he can to create a ditch in our lives. Listen, he'll do our be- his best to impede our progress by cutting off our path and creating diversion so we'll take a different route so he'll derail our purpose in life. So true, okay? Now, one of the main ways he does this, watch this, it's not through big, big massive tragedies and, and emergencies. The number one way he does this is just by everyday problems. It's just every, little simple everyday problems. They just build up, don't they? It's amazing how, how we, we can get, uh, you know, basically we start looking at the problem and we quit looking at God, and we stare at that thing, that molehill becomes this absolute mountain, right? It just, it just boom, 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 it builds up. But it's kind of like this. Here's what he's trying to do. If he can make you, please don't miss this. If he can make you spiritually nearsighted, that's all I can see, right? That all I can sit there, all I can focus on is myself, my issues, listen to me, Christians, my comfort, my convenience, that he has succeeded in causing us to take a detour away from our purpose, Right? Right? Let, let, me, let me tell you, I told somebody this the other day. It's so true. When I get in a spot personally where I feel like, man, oh, my God, I feel like I'm carrying a mountain on my back. Right? And, and, and you, you know that feeling where it's like anxiety and fear and, and just negative thoughts are just like consuming you. Here's what I do, okay? There's times I'll go pray in the Spirit. There's times that I'll go and I'll quote the Scripture. But the number one way for me to get that thing off my back is I go worship. And I don't just, let me maybe clarify, I put something on that's praiseworthy, and I dance, and I jump, and I shout, and I, and I have, I cut up, which just me. I do that by myself, because I can't do any of that really talented, all right? <laughs> but I do that with Jesus, and I, and I will praise him, because that's the only way I know how to get my, my eyes off of that and get it on him, and have that thing break off of me, yes? That's called a praise break, <laughs> What they used to call in the old church I was in. Ah. Anyway, so. So, but here's the point, okay? Here's God. Here's God. You got to see this in this, in this uh, promise. That here he is. He's extending his arm to you to pull you up, set your feet on the rock, remind you who you are. And then what he's trying to do is he's trying to build a wall around you to defeat the enemy in your life. But guess what? Guess what? This is so key. That's why relationship is so important. Here's why. Stand up, babe. Is is basically this is that God comes and He gets in our life and guess what He's moving and then I get distracted and then I wonder why I'm not winning. It's because I'm not rolling with a victor, so I got to stay close to the one who has victory 
Are, are y'all following me? This is called prayer. It's called worship. It's called studying the Bible. It's called walking with God, having a relationship. And it's when I get away from that is when things go wrong. Yes? Once again, it doesn't mean that problems won't come. But guess what? I have somebody bigger fighting for me. I, I remember when I was being a little kid in elementary school at Kermit Johnson Elementary. <laughs> All right? I remember sitting at the lunchroom table one day and all those boys sitting there talking about whose daddy can beat whose daddy up. I never seen anybody else's daddy, but my daddy whooped them all. Right? That's the way it is, man. You, you, you roll with the dad, right? You roll with dad. My, my dad can kick any problems, but I just got to roll with dad. Right? Yes? Because dad didn't do me no good when he was at work and I was on the playground. You know, I had a little bitty fella, still a little bitty fella. Except right there. Jude tells, me, Jude tells me I'm fat, by the way. It just hurts my feelings. He said, Dad, I don't like you. You fat. So, appreciate you, man. You're so kind. He's not a natural-born encourager. I don't know where he'd get that from. Anyways, but, all right, let me say, let me say this. I want to add something here today because, because over the years, I've met so many, so many believers that feel like they have disqualified themselves from the purpose of God on their lives because they've taken too many detours because they've fallen in too many ditches and, and they, they just in their, in, you know, in their head, in their heart, the devil's got them convinced that they disqualified themselves for whatever reason. It could be a plethora of things. But let me show you two verses here. If that's your thinking, here we go. I encourage you. Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes what? All things. It says, and we know that God causes everything or all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Isn't that good news? All things, everything. That, no, no, let me explain it to you this way, okay? If we said, hey, tomorrow we're going to Boston. In fact, I am going to Boston tomorrow. I just remember that. Okay, so, that announced. so there, there, listen, there's all kinds of ways to go to Boston, right? I can hit Route 1 or I can, I can shag out to Augusta. I can even want to get brave and roll to, uh, you know, to Bar Harbor before I go, Right? Now, now, listen, it may take me a little longer to get to Boston, but I'll get there. So, listen, there's people in this room that you may have not taken the shortest route. But, listen, if you keep at it, you're going to get there. That's hope, right? That if you say, you know what, I, you know, Pastor, I may have messed up. You know, I, man, I accidentally took a, took a wrong turn. I should have went to 90 to 1. But, man, I, I took a ride on 17, and I went to Augusta, and I caused myself a little bit more time. It's all right. It's all right. But, but hear this. Whatever caused you to get there... Repent of that thing and start going in the right direction, please. Okay? It's better to do that sooner than later. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one more verse just for a thought here. Romans eleven twenty nine. All right, Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. Look, just because you blew it doesn't mean that the gifts and the calling that he put in you when he created you doesn't mean those things are gone. Amen? So how do we find our purpose? I'm having fun today. How do we find our purpose? I'm going to give you five things real quick. Number one, believe God's given us one. That's so simple. Everybody listen, though. It's called faith. That's, that, I'm telling you, if we could just get over that speed bump, right, then we'll be doing well. We just got to believe by faith that God has given us a purpose. Amen. All right? Number two. We've got to understand our design. I'm going to take a minute here. We've got to understand our design, meaning this. God deliberately made you who you are. You guys hear me? He deliberately made you who you are. 
God, God did not create you and then go, hmm, what am I going to do with this one? <laughs> you got to understand that, that, God, that God had something to be done, and then he created you, equipped you, right? Designed you to fulfill that need. So when God, so when God created you, guess what? He created you in mind to fill the need, to fill the hole, to fill the vacancy of whatever it was in this world. So, so when we're sitting back and we're trying to figure out what's a, what's my design, you got to think about these things. What's my personality type? What's my gift set? What's my abilities? My passions? My dreams? What's my strengths? What's, what's my weaknesses? And what's my experience? I don't say weakness to, to slam anybody, but guess what? If, if you can't organize yourself out of a wet paper bag, he's probably not going to put you in a position to organize. It's just simple things like that. It's just simple things. It doesn't make us feel guilty or bad. It's just knowing what I'm good at because it's simply this. We'll throw this quote up there. That's within the treasure chest of our divine design, we will discover our destiny. So simple, right? All right. Number three. Here we go. Number three. What do we need to do? We need to study and know what gifts are available. We need to study and know what gifts are available. A lot of times, let me maybe say it this way. Um, in fact, write these down real quick because I can't cover them all day. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Those three scriptures basically show, you, you, when you study, you'll see that the first set is the gifts that the Father gives. The second set is the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. The third ones are the gifts that Jesus gives. Okay, you'll see that in the Bible, Okay. So, first, uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Let's look at this verse here in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, okay? So, y'all have a, a combination of those things. Here we go. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, a spiritual gift is given to who? It says, a spiritual gift is given, watch it, it says, to each one. To each one of us, so we can help each other. To understand that your purpose is always about helping somebody. If your purpose is about you, you've missed your purpose. That's not called a purpose. It's called an agenda. All right? So listen, it's it's this. To kind of add here, Jesus also said this. He said this. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. What's the root word of ignorant? Y'all listen to me because we all come from different backgrounds here. Okay? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? What is, what is the root word of ignorant? It's to ignore. So God does not want us to ignore these giftings. Why? Because they're so connected to our purpose. Okay? And he also said this. He said not only to, to just don't ignore them, but he said eagerly pursue them. Desire them. So these are things we should be praying about that would basically that, that we would know what they are, and then we begin to operate them in a mature way. That's key. Mature way. Right? All right. Now, remember, remember this. This is so elementary. But we all have different gifts, right? Nobody's the same. We're all, we're all different, okay? And, and I want to share something with you just because I think it's kind of cute. People with different spiritual gifts, they view the sa- same situation. In other words, if five of us walked up on the situation, we're all going to view it different. That, that's why almost like Tuesdays here we have staff meeting, and we bring up something. It's so funny to watch all of our different opinions and views of how we see stuff come up. And, you know, that stuff... Sometimes irritates me because I want everybody to see it the way I see it, but we're all wired different, right? So anyways, there's a pastor. He, he gave this illustration basically to show the difference. He, he says this, says to imagine each spiritual gift is represented as a family member at the dinner table. Are you get that? 
So basically, families around the dinner table, each family member uh, represents a gift. And then he says this, if someone dropped their dessert on the floor, here's how each family member or each spiritual gift would respond. Watch this. So the, 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 the good old chocolate cake, that's my favorite dessert, falls on the floor. And Mercy says this, don't feel bad. It could have happened to anybody. That's what Mercy says. Preaching says this, that's what happens when you're not careful. So true. A person with basically the gift of serving, all these are out of the the Romans chapter 12. The serving will say this. He'll say, let me help you clean that up. The teaching person will say, you know, the reason it fell is because because it was too heavy on one side. And when you kind of, you know, slipped and, you know, whatever, right? The the person that's an exhorter that wants to encourage, he just says, hey, uh, don't worry about it. Next time, man, we'll serve it, uh, we'll serve it with the meal, right? He gets all pumped. The, the person that has a giving gift, they'll say, man, I'll be happy to buy you a new dessert, right? And then the administrative person, this is so true. They say, hey, 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 you over there, get that mop. You over there, pick it up. Hey, uh, you come in the kitchen and help, help me fix that. Help me fix another dessert. Isn't that so true? And, and so, you know, so watch this. Part of that, I say this because to pay attention to how you respond to things. Once again, we make it more difficult than it needs to be sometimes. Sometimes we're just naturally doing it. And the reason we're naturally doing it, y'all don't miss this, please, is that, that these things are called grace gifts. Grace gifts, grace gifts. And so they make something that basically I do it. It's so natural to me because the grace of God is on me to do it. Where if I don't have that certain gift and Jen has that gift, it's going to be really natural to her, but it's going to be really awkward to me. So I need to pay attention to what's awkward to me and what's really natural to me, right? Because then I'm going to figure out what I need to do. Okay? So simple. All right, number four. Here we go. Number four is ask God to reveal them. So simple. But, but I have to say something, okay? Obviously, we know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Boom, we all know it, right? Everybody elbow your neighbor, tell them to wake up, all right? So, but then in verse 13, it says this. It says, it says, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Here's what causes a lot of us not to understand how we're wired and what our purpose is. It's because we go, we go in the prayer closet, and for four minutes we talk about our issues, and then the last 15 seconds we say, oh, by the way, Jesus, I need to know my purpose. And then we leave. And then we get mad at him. I've been praying about 15 years, and God ain't told me. But have you ever really got before him and waited? And said, so, God, I need you to show me. What is it? And not get in a hurry and spend time with him. Because, because watch this. It's really about let that love relationship happen. And you'll find that while you're just loving on him, he'll surprise you and talk to you. Right? In other words, when you get your eyes off yourself, it's fine to ask. But when you get your eyes off, you just worship him. He'll go, boom, that's it. Yeah, it's like, it's like revelation comes. You go, man, that's what I'm supposed to do. And everybody listen to me in here, Okay. If you're breathing, I don't care how old you are, if you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. Amen? So, you know, my old pastor used to say, there's no retirement in the kingdom. I used to laugh at that. Now I believe that. (laughs) I do. There's no retirement. Fifth thing, and we're done. Here we go. Number five is this, and this is huge. It takes courage. We've got to be willing to step out and try it. You all with me? There's always, listen, here's the other side of the grace of God. There's always a trial and error aspect to all of this. And and don't expect, everybody everybody listen, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. Right? In other words, we're not always going to get it right the first time. You you know, I can't tell you, listen, there's times I've preached 
And I've said, you know, the Bible said it. And then I've grown in the Lord and went, oh, my gosh. Man, I, I shouldn't have ever said that. But I've matured in the Lord, and my knowledge of the Lord's increased. And, and then, you know, I'm thinking, man, those poor people that heard me preach when I was 20 years old, Jesus help them. <laughs> right? Like, man, that was, that was rough. Right? And I'll probably feel that way 20 years from now with you guys. And poor suckers, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> and so, so listen, you, you know, there'll be times where you'll pray for somebody, and you'll feel like God's talking to you, and, and he wants to tell them something, and you might miss it. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, it's okay if you feel like, man, I'm going to go pray for someone, and, and, you know, and, and we're going to believe God's going to heal them, and, and, and it doesn't happen. It's okay. Right? Doesn't mean we quit. Are y'all following me? If you know, let me say it this way: If I go extend, if I got that mercy gift, and I go show somebody mercy, and they reject it, do I quit showing other people mercy? No. no. Pretty simple, yeah. All right, so let me say this, and um, just kind of going forward, because I realize, uh, you know, we're talking about this is the the vision aspect. There's things in the process that we're working on uh, of how we're going to do this because we want to partner with you guys. And to come alongside of you and help you figure these things out. God's given us some awesome people in this church that are really gifted in these areas. And so we want to uh, basically create a, create a platform, for lack of a better, uh, better a term. I don't know if it will be a, some kind of class, it will be a small group or whatever. But somehow that you can say, okay, I'm going to come to that if it's two weeks, four weeks. And basically we're going to help figure that out. And then basically what it's going to do is you'll see is that that will be a bridge from uh, the third promise to the fourth promise of then where we get to you know, basically walk in the fulfillment that God has for us. Does that make sense? Without saying too much? Awesome. Let me pray for you, and we're going to have some awesome people come up and talk to you. I want to say this first and foremost, and I, you know, once again, I don't know everybody that's here, but man, God knows you, and God knows where you're at. Today, what we've been talking about is we've been talking about really a spiritual journey with Him, and I want you to know if you've never started that spiritual journey with Him, there's no way to find your purpose. Because he's the one that created it, and outside of him, it's impossible to, to find it. And so I just want to make, before I pray for everybody in the room today, that, that if you're here today and you know that you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're still uh, as we t- a far way off, and you want to say, man, I want, I want to close that gap today. I want to come to him. I want to enjoy that first promise of salvation. If that's you today, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I need that. I want to give an opportunity. Awesome. All right. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I need some clarity on my purpose, can you pray for me? Just throw your hand up, please. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, uh, God, your children. Lord, I thank you, God, that we're all your sons and daughters, as we've sang about today. We've already prayed that. And, uh, Lord, you're not hiding anything from us. Lord, in fact, you, you desire for us to know our purpose and uh, our meaning for life, our God-given design, all those things more than what we do. And so, Father, I'm just asking, God, that you would, uh, as we spend time with you, that you would just begin to bring clarity in those areas. God, that you would reveal it to our hearts. Father, we thank you today, God, that you are stooping down and making us great. Thank you today, God, for coming and just uh, changing the way we see ourselves. God, help us to see us uh, see ourselves through your eyes and not through our own. And, Father, we thank you, God, that not only are you outstretching your, your arm towards us, but, Lord, you're also coming with mighty acts of judgment against the enemy. God, I thank you today that we don't have to fight on our own. Man, that's so good that we don't have to fight on our own. But, God, we, we, you know, you're, the, you're the one that's mighty in battle. 
Because the Bible says, you're mighty in battle. Lord, not us, you. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to stand beside you as you wage war against the enemy on our behalf. And so, Father, thank you for just opening up every person's eyes and hearts, God, so they can know their purpose beyond just, once again, the day-to-day grind. Uh, but, Lord, that they would know what you have in store for them. And, Father, I also pray, God, that you would just teach all of us, God, not to teach us how not to be consumed with our problems. God, we don't want to fall in the ditch again and again and again. God, teach us to fix our eyes on you because when we fix our eyes on you, God, you'll show us how to walk around that thing, jump over it, get around it. Thank you for that, God. We just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.